What's happening, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. I have a guest with me today. I have Kirsten Kroll, who is the host of the Minnesota Wild. I appreciate her taking some time out of her day to come on and speak with me. Kirsten, how are you doing today? And thanks for coming on. I'm doing well. And thank you for inviting. Oops, sorry. My dog just always needs to be okay. right there. <laughs> But no, I'm good. Thank you again for inviting me on. Absolutely. So let's jump right in, Kirsten. I want to first ask you, there was some breaking news that happened today about a couple hours ago with your Minnesota Wild. You guys got cleared from your COVID protocol and you guys are going to actually be back in the facility again tomorrow. What was your overall impression of that? Um, you know, I, I honestly haven't heard too much about it. I think I was scrolling through Twitter and um, saw that the Minnesota Wild PR had announced that they were cleared by the NHL. But I think just overall, everyone is really excited to not only see the team hit the ice again, but just to, you know, have everyone back and start getting back into the flow of things again. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great, great because hockey has had a little bit of COVID issues in recent weeks. And it's just great to have players on the ice and having hockey even going through this start of this 2021. So Kirsten, let's start with you, a little bit of your background. Uh, so what got you into the sports media field in the first place? Um, well, it's a, it goes way back for me. It was, I, I was in the seventh grade. It's a story again that I just really like to share with people, but I was in the seventh grade when I decided this was what I wanted to do after a friend had made a comment during gym class that she could see me being like, Aaron Andrews covering football since I loved it so much. And, you know, my immediate response was, no, I want to be the person getting interviewed because at the time I really wanted to be a pro volleyball player. And then I just realized I am definitely not good enough to do that. And so then I kind of sat on the idea for a little while. And I think it actually took me like a day or two that I sat on it. And I was like, no, like this would be so much fun. I'm going to do it. And so then from that day forward, I just never really looked back and decided this is where, this is what I'm going to do. And I always have wanted to learn as much as I possibly can. So again, I was that weird girl in seventh grade who, you know, woke up at 4am to watch sports center to learn what was happening or checked out books from the public library that were like nonfiction early days of the Dallas Cowboys books. And so that was what I was really big into at the beginning, just to learn anything and everything that I could. Yeah, that's awesome. So there is this story that I've seen on your page and you've mentioned it uh, on your website as well as off for your off the record that you got into a debate in high school about Tony Romo as a top 10 quarterback. I'm going to let you take the story on from there if you can. I like, this is one of the greatest stories that I've read in recently, so. <laughs> um, well, I'm happy you brought it up because honestly, it was one of those things, I get random memories of things that happened. And so you mentioned we recently released a new show called Off the Record that it's just a sports talk show that I do with my friends. And we were texting back and forth like, oh, we need to send out a bio of ourselves to like introduce ourselves as hosts. And I'm like, okay, well, what would be interesting that I haven't already shared that people would find funny or something. And so then it randomly came back to him like, well, there was this one time in, I think it was ninth grade world history. And 
it was one of my really good friends too that I just had become friends with since middle school his name's Grant and we're still friends to this day and I'm actually in his wedding coming up in June so I mean we've stayed in contact but um yeah it was world history I don't remember what exactly we were doing and he's a huge Packers fan doesn't like the Cowboys it always really irked him that I liked them and he was the one that started to just try to get me rattled and he was talking bad about Tony Romo saying all this stuff and talking bad about the Cowboys and then I started to just get really high strung I don't know what happened um and essentially long story short I was really annoyed because my teacher then proceeded to kick me out of class and told me to go to the classroom next door. (laughs) So I wasn't happy about that because it's like, well, why am I getting kicked out when this guy started it? So got kicked out of class, went to the 10th grade history class, sat in the back row, really awkward to have to walk into a class that wasn't mine, especially with a grade older than me. So I just sat in the back on my phone, just all pissed off. And then I got in trouble for being on my phone too. So, but, you know, long story short, going back to the Tony Romo comment, I think it was at the time I said he was a top 10 quarterback for the current quarterbacks in the league, not all time, but current quarterbacks in the league a few years ago when he was playing still. And so that's where that came about. I think I even was arguing that he was top five and my friend Grant was like, no, he's not. And just got really heated real quick. Well, I mean, as a Washington football fan, I'm going to side with your friend on that one, just out of personal bias towards the Cowboys. But I think that's still a great story. That, And I think uh, world history turned itself upside down in a different way. It turned into sports history for a little while there. But, most uh, of my classes back <laughs> That's amazing. So I want to, I know you briefly started with the Minnesota wild. What has that been experience been like for you so far? It's been difficult in the sense that, I mean, there's the global pandemic going on right now. So I didn't ever anticipate starting my first job pretty much essentially fully remote. So, you know, it's, it's been a challenge because I haven't really been able to completely do my position yet. My main job is in arena hosting and we obviously haven't been able to have fans yet this season and hopefully by the end of it we'll get more fans in but I will officially be starting to come into games and hosting them in person so I'm really looking forward to that especially now that the guys are returning to the facilities and um, the other thing that I do is I'm the host of a show called Wild Amplified it airs once a week and it It's basically a Minnesota wild lifestyle show. We talk about community events, what's going on with the team, um, different ways that we're getting involved, different shows, just wild news, anything regarding the wild you can think of. And so that's been really, really fun. Um, I've done a lot more reporting than I have hosting. And so I think I'm kind of, it's been another challenge in a way, kind of switching gears to a hosting personality as opposed to reporting, but it's been really fun and I'm really liking it. Yeah. What has been that biggest challenge for you personally from transitioning from sports reporting sidelines and then moving over to being a host? Honestly, I think it's the pace of everything. I normally just, for one, I talk really fast and make things really short and to the point. 
And that's what reporting is kind of at the point because you, you know, you're doing things live. It's just, again, short and sweet when you're taking time from coaches and players. And so you kind of get into a rhythm of this is where I need to be at this time. This is what questions I need to ask. And then when you're hosting, it's a lot more of your personality and how you're getting that to shine through. So I guess just a challenge for me has really been how do I kind of put my personality out there? And also too, when I talk, I'm not completely used to talking longer than just, you know, a minute or so. So when I'm hosting a whole entire show or trying to get my thoughts together, sometimes I do like pauses while I gather myself or even just talking slower. And so those are a few things that I found a little challenging, but it's been a lot of fun and I'm enjoying figuring it out. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you you guys are doing great so far. I know you guys have been able to been off due to the, uh, the virus happening within the Minnesota Wild organization, but let's just transition to a question I got from fans. So what, what would you say to an aspiring sports journalist or sports media professional trying to get into the field? First and foremost, um, there's a couple of things that come to my mind right away that I tell people when they ask me, but first is to just work as hard as you can. Don't say no and get involved in as much as you possibly can get as much experience early on, whether, you know, you haven't really done things in front of the camera before and you want to be an on-air talent, for example, go to your local ballpark or football field and pull out your cell phone and just record you doing a stand-up. So that way, when you're applying for jobs or internships, not only will you have content when you try to put your reel together, but you're going to get those reps into practice and you're going to get better with every single one of them. And, you know, it might not be a job quite yet, but, you know, make a podcast, go on YouTube, start your own show, put yourself out there and leading into that too if you don't have a LinkedIn, make one. If you don't have a Twitter, make one. Utilize those websites. Start connecting with people in the industry and picking their brains, making genuine relationships so that when you're applying for jobs, you have connections. And also too, maybe those people will be a foot in the door to get an internship somewhere. So really start trying to form those relationships now, make them genuine. And then the last thing too, is just don't let anyone tell you no. I've heard so many stories of you know, one person not believing that you can make it to a certain level in this industry. And, you know, I completely understand how discouraging that could be, but that's just one person's opinion. And it's such a subjective industry to begin with. So don't let anyone tell you, no, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because if you are determined enough, you have the will and the passion for it, you are the only person standing in your own way. So as soon as you get out of your own way, the world is yours. So those are the big things that I always tell people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my advice that I usually give out to aspiring sports journalists is you have to be, you have to be willing to embrace the grind. There is no nine to five. It doesn't work like that in the sports media field. You're sometimes you're up at two 33 AM, either editing a clip or you're hearing some breaking news that you need to be able to relay. So just being able to understand, again, the networking is always key too. enjoy those relationships that you get to know and hold on to those because they might be the ones that are 
being the difference of whether you're getting a position or not as well. So embracing the grind and networking has always been a paramount advice that I always give out to the people when they're asking questions about how do you get into this field. And going again, adding more to the networking and building genuine relationships. I can't stress that enough. Don't don't only just reach out to people when you want something, like reach out when, you know, how are you doing? Ask questions. How's life going? How's your family? How is your dog? Like questions like that. Stay in touch, make those connections genuine. Because if you're just reaching out to someone all the time when you want something, like that's not only standoffish, but it's, it's not going to help you build those connections. Yeah. And they almost, they almost decide to push you away in those instances too. Sometimes small talk is always the way to go. Just being able to check in. It doesn't have to be weekly or monthly, just occasionally. So I think that that's a great point that you're putting in there, Kirsten, as well. So I got a couple questions. What is the best game you've covered in your career? You know, there's a lot of really cool things that I've been able to do so far. And I'm hoping that I just continue to get opportunities. I mean, that's why I'm in this industry because we love the game and just being there. I think that's why I really fell in love with reporting too. It's just because you get to be in the atmosphere of things happening, but um, there's one game in particular that really comes to my mind and Um, It was two years ago now in Blaine, Minnesota, covering the Robertson Cup. It was Aberdeen and Fairbanks. I think it was Fairbanks. Aberdeen and Fairbanks. Aberdeen ended up winning the Robertson Cup. And so it was just covering that championship game and being there for those final four teams that made it, that were competing for the cup and being able to just work around that, my first championship type event and then seeing Aberdeen win and the excitement and them all tossing their sticks and gloves and helmets off and just celebrating together, grabbing random guys for interviews. You can't even tell who they are, just still on the ice, fresh off playing a 60 minute game. And you grab them for interviews. The energy they give off is just so electric from the coaches, the fans, the players. It's contagious. And it was honestly one of the most fun events I've ever been able to cover. Not only was it a really good game, but again, just covering a championship celebration, there's nothing like it. And, you know, thinking of my time at St. Cloud State too, it's fun anytime North Dakota comes to town. The arena's packed. And also another really fun one, I can't tell you the exact score of the game because I don't remember, but St. Cloud State coming back from behind to beat Minnesota Duluth was another really good one when UMD came to town. So those are always really fun series to be right there for. Yeah, and for St. Cloud State, you you guys are always usually in the top 10 in hockey. You guys are always potentially right there to be in the Frozen Four. I think those and Minnesota Duluth is right there with, with you guys in those regards. So those rivalry games always – end up bringing a different level of intensity as well. So what is true. Go ahead. Go go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say you're, you're spot on with that and being able to have covered a team in the NCHC. I mean, every conference in college hockey is fun, but the NCHC too, just, I don't know. It's something special. I don't want to say it's better than the other conferences because again, they're all fun. They're all really talented, but there's just, it's something special and it's definitely incredibly competitive and 
you've seen these past few years, the best teams come out of that conference winning, winning the national championship. So it's really, really fun and a really cool experience to have worked with the coaches, staff, the players, and then seeing them advance in their careers too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'm, I follow Notre Dame avidly, so they're always usually around the top 20 in the, in the nation as well. So I, I understand St. Cloud State kicking Notre Dame's butts because I see it okay, on, the, on the occasion. So I understand that. So what has been, since you say the best games you've covered, are those, is there an interview that stands out for you that you've been able to complete so far? I know I'm throwing you on the spot, but. <laughs> you know, yeah, like specific interviews are always sometimes really hard to remember because I, I mean, like I said, I've gotten to talk to a lot of really cool people and I know the people who were always the easiest to talk to and always, in my opinion, had some of the best things to say. Um, I would say any interview I've had with um, St. Cloud State's head coach, Brett Larson, was always good. He always has really, really good things to say. Another interview experience I've had that, again, I just thought this person is pretty much a legend, I would say, in college hockey, and he's still around and just so knowledgeable about the game. Scott Sandlin, head coach of Minnesota Duluth. I got to interview him once up in Duluth. I was doing a story on him and Brett Larson in their coaching relationship. And he, I just remember too, even after the interview was done, we just kind of sat talking for an hour afterwards. And um, he was showing me just casually the national championship trophies and other trophies. I got to see a little bit of the rink and it was just a really cool experience. And, you know, more informal coming out of an interview too and just getting to pick someone's brain like that was awesome um you know I'm not going to say their name but there was a live interview too that I was doing um during an intermission somebody dropped a swear word on me and I just kind of stood there and I kept rolling with it long story short because of that we couldn't air it on the network it was filmed just a couple seconds beforehand before we were going to come back and they just scrapped it so I mean I remember that very vividly no I've had my fair share of where you get a nice little either an f-bomb etc that just ends up you're just like you're and you and sometimes most of the time it usually happens like in the middle of the interview sometimes and you're just like you the interview is going so well and then you're just ready to tear your hair out because you know it's not going to be able to go on the air but, yeah, it's it's one of those instances. It's like, do I continue with this? Do we start over? Yeah. <laughs> or what do I do? Yeah, absolutely. And then for your interview process, what do you do? You try to keep it as conversational as possible? Or do you try to try to keep it formal? What's what's your attack pattern? Um, that's a really good question. And I think it really depends what you're doing. I think, you know, conversational is always good because it loosens up the people you're interviewing beforehand gets them more comfortable warms up the conversation to begin with but it really just depends I always try to make a lot of small talk before like an interview when we're in a sit-down setting so if we're doing a formal sit-down interview that's going to air in like a feature story not a live setting definitely make that conversation but when you're in game and you only have so long with somebody before they head into the locker room it's really hard to do that so at that point pretty formal just two really quick questions and hear what they have to say some people say a lot more than others um so you just kind of roll with it depending on their answers but 
I mean, live interviews, they're different. So you just, you, you do what you can with the time that you have, but for sit down, formal interviews, conversational is always, always really great. Yeah, absolutely. So let's switch some gears to present sports right now. So I want to get your overall take of your wild right now. So and you guys are coming off of the COVID as I've mentioned several times now, but, <laughs> but what is, what has been the overall outlook of the season so far? Cause we're almost now a quarter away through the season, which is all almost remarkable to think about already. What, what has been your overall take and what do what do you think they have to do to improve down the stretch? Uh, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch cause there's a lot of new faces on this team this season and just seeing how everyone has slowly been coming together. Um, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's a rebuilding year. There were a lot of moves made in the off season. Um, obviously in the draft as well, big news, Marco Rossi, we're not going to see him this season. We're preparing to have him next season. I know the center position, a lot of people have concerns about and having that consistent. So I think, you know, it'll be fun to see Marco Rossi come in. He's a center seeing him next season and what he can bring to the team. But, you know, as far as the group we've got now, there's a lot of really, really great parts. It's just kind of, I think even watching them play, it's just been figuring out the lines who plays well together. And it's been really hard to have that be consistent with. And I think we've seen it kind of, all over the place these past couple of weeks because, you know, people placed on the COVID protocol list and then a lot of injuries struck too, taking out a lot of key guys, seen a lot of additions from the taxi squad get called up. So I think consistency is going to be key, figuring out those lines, who plays well together and really establishing who is best at center. So I think those are going to be some key parts moving forward and, really playing the full 60 minutes. I, there's been numerous games. I don't even remember how many exact to be exact now, but wild taking it to OT and just kind of really, really hitting, putting their feet to the pedal right as that third period comes and then getting it done in overtime. But as people have mentioned before, I mean, you come into those really good games against really, really good teams and you can't always do that because you're not always going to be able to. So you know, I think just playing the full 60 minutes is also going to be key. Yeah, and then I know the NHL has switched up their divisions, and for some reason they have you guys in the West, which is still kind of doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, what do you think the NHL's platform of separating it into so many more divisions has played a role? And I think a part of which is because the issue was trying to get the teams from Canada to be able to play with the whole COVID restrictions what has been your overall take with the, the new realignment of the divisions? I mean, it's been different for sure, but I think in a way too, especially for the wild, I mean, you're not playing against most of the teams that you normally do in the central. And so now being out in the West, uh, you're forming. And as the guys have said too, you're forming potentially new rivalries, like with the LA Kings. And so that's fun to watch. I mean, you're consistently playing teams that you maybe meet a couple times in the season and so that's been fun. And I know there's been a lot of buzz too. Everyone's really loving the North division and it's like hockey night in Canada for an entire season. So I know people have really been raving about that. Um, so, you know, I think it's unique to this season. And so people are 
enjoying it. They maybe not are enjoying having those really late games, especially if they go into OT when you got to get up for work the next morning. But um, for the most part, yeah, unique to the season, just fun to watch. And it's going to be even more exciting, I think, once the postseason rolls around and you start to see more teams battle it out. Yeah, as a Sharks fan, uh, thanks for kicking our butts a couple times already this year. So appreciate that one Um, because we're in a full rebuild. I know that, but that's okay. But uh, (laughs) so transitioning now, what has been the just the NHL as a whole? What are the teams that have impressed you the most and who you think is going to be right there at the end? Um. You know, I, to be completely honest, I haven't seen a ton of other teams play so far this season, Um, but just really looking at the West, for example, Colorado, I mean, they're picking up right where they left off and in the, in the bubble in the postseason, I really enjoyed watching Carolina. I think they're going to be another team that makes another deep push. And then there's Tampa Bay too. I don't see them really going anywhere either. So those are a few teams that I've been able to see that, again, just fun to watch. They're kind of picking up right where they did last season, and I think they're not going away anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. And just just L.A. and Tampa Bay alone have had years to remember in the sports world with both cities now having two rings. It's almost pretty absurd to think about, like, LA, you would think with the super teams that they have there, but then Tampa Bay with teams that are really just like that fly under the radar. They're a lot small market, pretty impressive, except for Tampa Bay Bucks, of course, with how much money they brought in with Tom Brady, the GM, Tom Brady. (laughs) And so I actually think it's time for those other cities to start sharing. So if they want to share the wealth with Minnesota, we will not say no. Exactly. So transitioning, because I know your podcast touches upon everything else in the sports world. What has been, what was your overall impression of the Super Bowl? Um, to be quite honest, a little boring. You didn't even see Kansas City make it to the end zone once. I know a lot of people joked like the streaker made it before Kansas City did, <laughs> which is true. I don't know. I, I kind of we had the game on, we're watching the game, obviously, but we kind of just tuned out a little bit once it started to, once the Bucks really started to expand the gap of their lead that they had and everyone just kind of knew it was over. Kansas City wasn't going to come back and it, it just got boring. Um, I was more into a lot of the commercials, the snacks that we had that I was watching with my friends. So, I mean, looking forward to next year's already just because nothing about this year really wowed me. I mean, the big story is Tom Brady got his seventh ring more than any franchise. So, I mean, that is fun. It's cool. Unique. We're probably never going to see it again, but give me two new teams in the Super Bowl next year and let's try it again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is what I've been touching upon on my shows that more than anything, I think, that Kansas City was really just hindered by their injuries that ended up taking place up front on the offensive line. That Eric Fisher injury ended up switching out their entire O-line, and they really had no answers up front the entire game. Patrick Mahomes on his turf toe was making some throws that you probably weren't going to expect Patrick Mahomes to potentially complete, but they were still hitting the guys in the hands, which was still pretty absurd in itself. But uh, Kirsten, before I let you go, why don't you talk about your podcast that you just started up a little bit? Yeah, so uh, um, it's fairly new. It's been a 
a week tomorrow since we even announced it. So it's, it's a passion project, I would say, that we created. We've spent a couple months just in the planning phase, talking about things that we want to do. And, you know, me and my co-host Alexis, we both primarily work more in hockey and have, and we love the game, but we also know a lot more than just hockey. We love football, baseball, Um, we talk basketball. I grew up around NASCAR too. So literally all sports. And we wanted a chance to talk about that too, just outside of our normal jobs, because we don't get the opportunity to. So we decided to create our own platform. Um, We have a show. It's currently right now, primarily on YouTube, but we are working on getting it on Spotify and Apple podcasts as well. So hopefully for episode two, that'll be up and running but we're just really looking forward to the future of it and, you know, um, interacting with people who watch on Twitter. That's something we're really hoping picks up more as we get further along, but just something that we're really enjoying and hoping we can do for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And the show's off to a great start. As I mentioned, I've listened to it the first episode. You guys did a great job. Um, Kirsten, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday evening to come on Final Whistle with me. It was a real honor. I hope to have you on again soon if you're interested. Yeah, I would love to. And thank you again so much for inviting me on. It was fun. And I'm always down to talk football, hockey, whatever. So definitely would love to again. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our special edition of a Thursday Final Whistle episode. Catch me tomorrow where you catch your weekly episodes on Friday nights. Check them out on Instagram, YouTube, etc. Have a good night, everyone.